It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. In for Brian, it's Mary Walter. How are you? Yes, Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. And I do have a little bit of a cold, so I'm working my Kathleen Turner voice here. Either that or I just smoked a pack of unfiltered cigarettes, (laughs) whichever way you want to go with it. But um, otherwise, I am fine. Just got a little bit of a cold. Yeah, the cold still exists. So just that everyone should know you can still get a cold and you can still get the flu, even though no one talks about that anymore. You can still get both of those. Wow, a lot coming up in the show. I just want to start off with with just some general news. Um, Mike Pence, I thought this was interesting, former Vice President Mike Pence, uh, said he believes that there were what he called irregularities in the 2020 election. He said, but he felt that his decision to not overturn the results was part of his, quote, oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's what he said. He uh, did an interview it was partially released with CBN's David Brody. And I think we had, do we have that, Eric? I think we have that, right? Do we have that? We do not have that. We do not have that. So no, we do not. Um, and that's my fault. Sorry, I forgot to send that to you. That's my bad. Uh, but Pence, Pence would not, in this interview, say that the election was rigged or stolen. He said, I believe there were irregularities about which I was concerned, and I wanted them to have a fair hearing before the Congress. He said, I've been very moved at the level of support I've been met with. And I, I got to tell you, I think it was very hard to be Mike Pence working with Donald Trump. And don't get me wrong. I supported Donald Trump 100 percent. Well, that's not true. Not 100 percent. If I thought he did something wrong, then I then I said so. Uh, so so I felt badly for Mike Pence after all of that. He said, I don't know if President Trump and I will ever see eye to eye on that day or that many of our most ardent supporters will agree with my decision that day. But I know I did the right thing. The last thing you ever want is for our elections to be managed in Washington, D.C. And he did say that we need to look into election integrity. And I agree. Just I just want to know what happened. That's all. I just want the answer. And I think that we should do an investigation. And for some reason, the left is against any kind of investigation. And to me... That is absolutely wrong. Another big thing going on. The case in front of the Supreme Court regarding Roe v. Wade. This comes out of a case that is being heard in Mississippi law that bans abortions after 15 weeks. Here to talk about it, Carrie Severino, the president of the Judicial Crisis Network, co-author of the book Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation, and the Future of the Supreme Court. She also clerked for Justice Thomas. So who better to join us. Carrie, thank you for joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing fine. So just tell us briefly what this is about. Let me ask you, this is about abortion after 15 weeks, right? They're banning abortion after 15 weeks in Mississippi. How did that wind up in front of the Supreme Court? Uh, You know, so the law uh, was passed and then immediately 
was enjoined, was blocked uh, because this uh, Jackson Women's Health Clinic then sued and said this violates uh, the, the Constitution. It does, it does go clearly opposed to the current Supreme Court cases on this, which is Roe versus Wade, of course, and then Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which is a 1992 case that really rewrote Roe. But what it said is you absolutely hardline cannot prohibit abortions before viability. And while that line is kind of mushy line, viability is when you can survive outside the womb, but it's probably in the early 20 weeks at this point. It changes with technology, but no one thinks it goes as early as 15 weeks. So clearly violates those statutes. Then when the Supreme Court took the case last spring, um, you know, the Attorney General, Lynn Fitch of of Mississippi, made the, the really strong choice to say, we need to just make the case that this absolutely has to go, that Roe versus Wade, there's no way to, to um, make these things compatible with the Constitution. And really, this has to, issue has to go back to the states, which is where it was uh, for most of American history before 1973. So the people who are losing their minds in front of the Supreme Court, and men, I have seen some videos. These people are insane. They're just absolutely insane and yeah. clearly have no jobs. But it's not going to mean that women are going to die. Women are literally going to die. You can still get an abortion in another state, right? It's not It's not going to be a nationwide blanket ban. It's just going to kick it back to the states, right? Oh, my gosh. Well, there's so, there's so much wrong, right? First, it goes back to the states. So some states like you know California, New York, no worries. They're going to have abortion up until the minute of birth. And on top of which, the 15-week ban, remember, this is a ban that is actually more liberal than 90% of the countries in Europe, <laughs> like this is most countries have a ban that is significantly earlier. Women are not dying in the streets in Europe. They're doing perfectly fine, right? It, 90% of abortions, it, I think even in the city, happened before that time. So there, it's this overblown rhetoric. And I think it's, uh, it's people who refuse to recognize that we know now that, that there, we, there are opportunities for women to succeed in the world without having to to uh, kill a child in the process. Justice Barrett brought out the really important point that there, all states now have a, a safe harbor law, which means that if you are not able to raise a ch- the, your child, you, you can relinquish it to the state. No questions asked. They will find an adoptive family. We, we all know the long lines of people who would love to be able to care for um, these babies. So this is a, um, you know, I think that's a lot of rhetoric, and it doesn't take into account the fact that in most places, you're not going to get a, a complete ban on abortion. You're going to get it. You're going to get somewhere in the middle, which is where most of the American people are. So now if it goes back to the states, if you feel strongly you should have abortion, talk to your representative, talk to your um Talk to your state legislators, and the actual interests of the the citizens of that state is going to determine the abortion policy for the state. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, you know, that good Catholic, she uh, was comparing, uh, look, saying, well, look at the laws of Ireland, because you brought up Europe, you know, she, look at the laws of Ireland. And, and she said, you know, even they have have um, a, a right to abortion. They pass legislation respecting women. Are Ireland's laws more permissive than what our laws would would be, or what this Mississippi law is? I can't. I, I can't remember the okay. specific line of Ireland, but I know that you know, like twenty seven out of out of the countries of, of uh, Northern Europe, almost all of the the most you know the recognized liberal democracies, the Frances, the Germanys, the, the, the Great Britain, are uh, cutting off abortions after the first trimester. So that's twelve weeks. That's earlier than Mississippi. Uh, it, it's really and, and it was funny because at oral arguments. 
yesterday they they tried to just or two days ago now they uh tried to basically say oh those laws are just nominal laws it's not really you know the, the policy positions i'm sorry we have we our laws are really there's only a, a a handful of countries in the entire world that have laws as permissive as the United States, and they include such rock stars as China and North Korea. So not exactly the company that we, as, as a that what we're supposed to be the leading nation for freedom in the world, want to stand beside. Yeah, I don't know. They, they like to get a little cozy with China, so that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, I yeah. just want to play something for you. This is uh, Steve Daines talking about the science and what we know now compared to when Roe v. Wade was first enacted, which was in the 70s. So it's been decades. Mm-hmm. And, and I want you to hear what he has to say. I'd like to get your comment on it. The Supreme Court has a chance to write a historic injustice, and that's the Roe versus Wade decision from 1973, 48 years ago. If you go Google, take your smartphone out, Google 15-week baby, 15-week baby, and look at the images that come up. You'll see that these 15-week-old babies, they, they are amazing, beautiful little babies. This Mississippi case says you can't have a late-term abortion. It protects life at 15 weeks and beyond. The laws must catch up with the science. Our laws are antiquated. They're 48 years old. Technology shows that these little babies are fully formed at 15 weeks, and we've got to return the power back to the states. So what will happen here, if the Supreme Court, which will hear the arguments tomorrow, overturns Roe v. Wade, it returns the power back to the states. 80% of the American people oppose abortion after three months. The United States is a global outlier when it comes to abortion. Just one just just we are one of seven nations, including China, and North Korea, that allow late term abortions. Think about that. The U.S. is in the same category as China and North Korea. Yeah, to your point, you know, look at who we're mm-hmm. in the company with. But is he right that the law has to catch up with science? Well, you know, the, the job of the Supreme Court isn't in the first place to be trying to make scientific decisions. That's where Roe got it wrong uh, initially. There's no abortion clause in the Constitution. There is no constitutional text on which you can say, hey, this protects a woman's right to abortion. And and it's also very clear because the vast majority of states were uh, regulating abortion for most of our history. So this is not this is not something that uh, it was always a protected right under the Constitution. It was invented and it gets the justices into trying to be that scientific uh, board. And they're not good at it, which is why, uh, you know, there's the science, even at the time of Roe, in fact, wasn't correct. But now we know so much more. We all have seen uh, either either your own or friends, um, uh, ultrasound very early on. At 15 weeks, you can see the baby's sex. They're sucking their thumb. You know, they're, it's really uh, striking to, to see that this is, you know, a, a clearly a human being. We also know a lot more about fetal pain, you know, and, and that issue. So, and, and, you know, if you have you have surgeries for babies in the womb, you always would give them anesthesia in that in that situation. So we know more realities of what's really going on in abortion than was yeah, known kids- in 1973. Right. And and to me, the sonograms alone, those pictures alone where they can move their fingers independently at 15 weeks, they have a heart that is pumping blood. They may have a different blood type than the mother. Right. So so the oh, sure. autonomous yeah. being, um, it's not just some growth because it does, it could have a, a different blood type than than the mom. They, they can um, blink. They can feel pain, as you said. They can react to certain things. Uh, and and I they also said that they can sometimes tell if they follow it long enough, whether the baby is going to be right handed or left handed. 
<laughs> so to me, I, I just think that I, I look at these pictures and I know it has changed my views drastically being able to see this because up until, you know, recently we've just been told, oh, it's just a bunch of, it's just a clump of cells. It can't survive outside the womb, which, okay, it can survive out outside the womb, but there are also Let's look at the other. If that's what it's about, we have a lot of people on the other end of the spectrum who are seniors or who are very sick who can't survive um, without a, a heart machine or without a lung machine or without some kind of artificial support. So do we just say that those are just a cl- bunch of clump of cells and so they're not viable, so we just let them die? We don't save them? Well, and frankly, a baby when it's born, this baby uh, is not going to be able to survive. You, you leave it alone, it's not going to survive, right? You right. need an incredible amount of care for a newborn so, you know, that, I, that concept of viability just really doesn't make sense. There's nothing about um, our ability to live completely independently that is what gives us our rights. Because, again, that would, that would mean that children don't have rights, the disabled might not have rights, elderly exactly. people might not have rights. That's, that's a, a horrible proposal and certainly not worthy of, uh, you know, the leading nation for freedom. Yeah, when you when you take the argument, you go the other way. Say, so, well, you know, your your grandma's in in a bed is bedridden and can't do anything without the nurse who you know brings her her food and takes her to the bathroom and does everything else. So I guess she's not viable. It's a scary, scary argument when you really think about it. Carrie Severino, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. I want to hear from you. 866-408-7669-866-408-7669. Does the law need to catch up with the science? I, I, can, I can readily admit that my view of abortion has definitely changed. I've grown up, number one. But I will tell you, the big thing for me was being able to see those ultrasounds. Before, they were just like a thing. You're like, what am I looking? What is that? What is that? It's like when my doctor shows me like an MRI of my knee and he's like, okay, so that's this. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't see what you're seeing, but okay. Like he thinks he's showing me things. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Just do I need surgery? That's all I want to know. But now you can see that it's a baby. It has, you can hear the heartbeat. You can see the heartbeat. You can see the baby react to pain or to stimuli. You can see the baby suck its thumb or move its fingers. For me, that was, that was a huge game changer for me. So I, I got to tell you, I, I just, I'm, I'm on the side of let's change this law. And Again, if you are hell-bent on, on having an abortion late term, there are going to be other states that you can go to. That's possible. You can go to other states. We're not saying we're going to totally take away your right to kill your child. We're not going to do that because why would we? Uh, we're not that good. But you, So you will be able to. So it's not what the left is painting this to be. So the hysteria is just typical left-wing drama and play acting, et cetera. 866-408-7669. I'm Mary Walter, and I will get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch, and there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.
show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fetus has an interest in having a life, and that doesn't change, does it, from the point before viability to the point after viability. Do any of you men have any eggs or the possibility of carrying a fetus? How dare you talk about what a fetus wants? You have no idea. Now, I'm, I'm fine if you disagree with abortion. I have no problem with that. My problem comes when you tell me what I need to do with my doctor and my family. How dare you? How dare you? So the first segment there was Justice Samuel Alito, and that was Whoopi Goldberg from the Yapientes uh, reacting to it. And there were several things in her reaction, in her little tirade there, that made me chuckle. Because, first of all, she says, uh, my problem comes when you tell me what I need to do with my doctor and my family. But she's okay with vaccine mandates. Like, she's okay with forcing everyone to be vaccinated, even if they decide that that's not a good thing for them and their family. For whatever reason, their doctor has said, no, you're like, maybe you've had COVID, you don't need to get the vaccine. For whatever reason, the doctor has told them they don't, it wouldn't be right for them to get the vaccine. I have a friend who just came off chemo. The doctor's like, no, you don't, should not get the vaccine right now. Okay, she's not doing it. But Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg is totally okay with making second-class citizens out of people who will not follow a government mandate to inject something into their bodies. She's totally okay with that she's a big hypocrite um she says how dare you talk about what a fetus wants yet the left tells us all the time everything that what trump really meant despite what he said this is what trump really meant they seem to always know what people really mean and what people really want despite what they say I'm going to guess that the fetus, since it can feel pain, probably doesn't want to feel pain. That's just a hunch I have. Have I talked to it? No. But every time Whoopi Goldberg goes off on Donald Trump and what he really meant and blah, 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 all this other things, she's doing the exact same thing. And lastly, do any of you men have any eggs or the possibility of carrying a fetus? How dare you talk about what a fetus wants? She's transphobic. Didn't, haven't we just gone through an entire period in this country where we're supposed to pretend that men can have babies, right? We're supposed to pretend that men can get their period because they're transgender. And we're supposed to pretend that they can have a baby. No, if you're a dude who became a woman, you can't have a baby. If you're a woman who physically has become a man on the outside, but you kept your lady parts, well, then, yes, you can. You keep, you know, taking the hormones in order to reverse the hormones you took to get to there in the first place. You can. But men cannot physically have babies. Whoopi Goldberg just said the quiet part out loud. This is what happens when their crazy, wacko leftist ideology bumps up against itself. It doesn't make any sense. I'm Mary Walter. More coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. show like no other it's brian kilmeade i think it's an advancement in in knowledge and concern about such things as uh fetal pain what we know the child is doing and looks like and is fully human you know, from a very there's about 40 percent of dead people who if you touch their feet the foot will recoil there are spontaneous acts by dead brain people so i don't think that a response 
to uh, buy a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain or that there's consciousness. That was the Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart and Justice Sonia Sotomayor uh, arguing the Mississippi abortion law that bans abortion after 15 weeks. And having been a woman, I kind of think if if you think you might be pregnant, you haven't gotten your period in a while, you probably should go get a free test where Planned Parenthood. You can go there and get a free test. And you don't have to pay for it. So poor women are not disenfranchised. They can go get a free test and find out way before you hit the 15-week mark. You can do that. There are some now that tell you like within days. And then if you think you are, then you go and you get it. You get another test just to make sure. But um, Steve Daines from Montana argued that the law needs to catch up with the science and talking about how much more now we can see. We could do surgeries inside the womb now. Surgeries inside the womb, that's crazy. Roe v. Wade's from the 1970s. It's over 40 years old, that law. And this will not get rid of abortion in America. No, as unlike what the left is telling you about. You can still shop around and go to whichever state you want to go to. If you want to, if you want to abort your baby the day before it's supposed to be born, there, I'm sure there are states like California and New York that will allow you to do that. 866-408-7669. Does the science need, does the law need to catch up with the science? Uh, Donna in Pennsylvania, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. You have a story to tell. You want to share? I do. Um, I was 18 years old when I had my son. Um, obviously, I was young and had unprotected sex by my choice. So to me, it wasn't the child's choice. I should have chose not to have sex. We know the outcome if, you know, even if you use protection, that doesn't always work. So you know there's a possibility you're going to get pregnant. So therefore, either don't have sex. And to me, people use the abortion as birth control, and I don't feel it's right for the child. And my kids are grown now. I had both my kids young, and that was my choice. And it was a rough life, but, you know, I chose... At the end of the day, I made a bad choice that turned out to be a blessing for me. And were you, well, let me ask you, were your parents supportive of you? Did your parents help you? Yes, they did. I'm thankful for that as well. But okay. they didn't make it easy for me either. Okay. Because That's I chose to do something. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously they made sure my kids were always well taken care of if I couldn't do it. But I worked took care of the kids and they assisted with babysitting. I was fortunate that way. Right. But See, there, there's programs out there, you know, there's that will help if you don't have people to support you. There's all kinds of resources for single moms. You know, it's, it's there. It's there. Again, you make a choice and you need to live with that choice. And it's not fair to have that child removed from this world when you made that choice to bring the child into the world. Yeah, when you took that, when you rolled the dice and and took that chance, especially when you can get free birth control at Planned Parenthood, you know. And if he doesn't want to use a condom or he doesn't, you know, want to use protection, that is your choice as a woman. You have the power to say 
No. Now, do I understand that young girls think he, oh, he loves me and blah, 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 blah. If you ever watch Teen Mom, they all thought that's the way it was going to turn out, right? And it never does. We all know that. But maybe that's a very hard life lesson to learn. It's a terrible life lesson to learn, but it can turn out beautifully as yours did. Donna, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm glad you shared that story with us. It's not, it's not, I'm not saying that it's easy for young girls to, to go and we're, 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 we're assuming it's teenagers. There are plenty of grown women who go and have abortions. And here's the thing, disproportionately, African-American children are, are aborted disproportionately. And it's not because they're all poor. So, um, it, but regardless of all of that, does the law need to catch up with the science? Because we know so much more now. Is it just a matter of that? For me, it's a matter of that. that that's, the, that's the issue here. We know so much more now. Our law is antiquated based on the progress of science. And so we now need to catch our law up to where our knowledge is scientifically. 866-408-7669. Barry on WDBO in Orlando. Barry, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, good morning. Mary, I appreciate when you're on. I uh, love your passion and your Thank logic. You. Thank you. I think I think the question is law needs to catch up with logic. And let me make, give you an example using the Socratic method. Thank you, the Geneva School, Orlando, for teaching my kids this, <laughs> teaching me. How can abortion exist in the law on one hand, and in another hand, if a woman that's pregnant is shot and killed and her fetus is killed, that there are two counts of murder for her, murder, and the child? How can that exist with abortion? They can't. Right. But but you hear the left say all the time, two things can be true at the same time. Do you ever hear them say that? Well, both things can be true at the same time. And in an instant like that, no, they, they can't both be true at the same time. But it's only 30 states that have laws that from what I've seen, and I looked it up, and the best I could do was 30 states that have laws that will um, charge double homicide if a pregnant woman is killed. Well, I think the the best way to argue a point with with someone that uh, is pro-abortion is using questions. How how can you um, logically explain how these two things exist simultaneously in the law? How is that possible? It can't be. I just find the best way to have that conversation with someone who is vehemently um, pro pro-abortion is to walk away. Because doing the same, you know, I'm just I'm just going to be dumber at the end of the conversation because they're not going to make any sense and it's going to drive me crazy. It's like watching the view for me. I'm just dumber at the end of it. I have to disagree with you. I think you owe it to them to give them another point of view, but in love. It has to be couched in love. Yeah. That's my that's my suggestion to you. Yeah, well, that's maybe where I fall short. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the call, Barry. But he's right. You do. You ask questions whenever you argue or have a conversation with a liberal. It always turns into an argument, by the way. I don't care how much love you couch it in. Once you start to challenge what they feel to be true with logic and you question their feelings, they're so emotionally invested in their feelings that it heads out really, really fast, really fast. And the next thing you know, they're yelling at you. And so I find that it's just a waste of my time.
Um, you know, it's, it's like, again, if you ever want to know what it's like, Megan McCain, they broke Megan McCain on The View. God bless her. She hung in there for a long time and she's not even totally right. The only quote unquote Republican they have now is Anna Navarro because she's not a Republican. She's actually a Democrat, but they just dress her up and say she's a Republican. This is what the left does. Everything is a play to them. Everything is a show. Everything is smoke and mirrors. It's not reality. Anna Navarro's not a Republican. So there's no one on that show to question them. And when Megan McCain would try to question them, Whoopi always had to go to a break. If they actually bring a real Republican on that show, God bless her, because she's going to be banging her head against the wall within a week. She's going to be calling her agent, asking to get her out of the contract or give me battle pay. Let's go quickly go to Jamie in w, on WLNI in Virginia. Jamie, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. Good morning, Mary. Thank you for taking my call. I just want to put this all into perspective for the dead brain people. Since we're talking about science, if scientists find one microbe on Mars, they call it life. How is it that a beating heart is not life? It's a great point. This is a great point. We found life on Mars. It's a tiny little microbe. You're right. But that's one of those questions that will send a liberal into a fit of rage and a big rant, and it gets ugly. And I love doing that to liberals. God bless you. You have more free time than I do. Either that or you have a higher tolerance level than I do because I just don't have it in me anymore. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. Maybe they've broken me too. But God bless you for being able to fight the fight, Jamie. That's a great point. Thank you. I appreciate you listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. More of your calls coming up, 866-408-7669 and The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade. Oh, that guy right there, he lies. It's Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. We're talking about the arguments being made in front of the Supreme Court with the Mississippi abortion case and how the left is painting it versus what the law really says. But more importantly, the law is over 40 years old and are scientifically now and medically. We know so much more about the state of development of a baby in the womb and at what stage they are developed. And uh, Senator uh, Steve Daines from Montana came out and said, look, we have to have the law. We have to modify the law to catch up with the science because we know so much more now than we did back then that we need to change our laws in order to protect the baby, in order to have the laws catch up with the science. 866-408-7669. Let's head to Vermont. Hey, Margaret, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Go ahead. Good. You're saying, uh, Ken, is the law uh, outdated for the science, okay? But we still have a science. Um, 
medical testing on the viability of the fetus and the defects of the fetus that come in 16, 18, 20 weeks. And that is what causes late-term abortion. The finding that a family, usually a married couple, and if you read Carhartt, the decision, uh, it, it's all in there. They took testimony, and the facts were proved. Supreme Court recites it. These are generally speaking married couples with a wanted baby who have a nursery set up. They're all excited about it. And then they get the devastating news that their child has brutal defects and they can't get into that. They can't accept that. They can't support that child. Or maybe that the child is not even viable and they choose to have an abortion. That is what causes an abortion that occurs later in a pregnancy. You keep talking about women's choices, women's choices. They they chose to have sex, but you're punishing women for their physical need to have closeness, to have sex. To ha they have a physical need, the same as men. But now, all of a sudden, if they, if they satisfy those physical needs that they have, they have to be punished if suddenly they come up pregnant because they made a choice. So now they have to have more medical at risk by having a live birth than having an abortion, then they have to pay for that because the cost of birth is many thousands, whereas an abortion might be 600 bucks. You say, oh, well, they can go to another state. But then again, you have to have the money to go there. You talk about black women have more abortions, but yet they also have more live births, and they're raising those children in poverty alone. Um, you okay, hold on. You, you, you've thrown a lot out here. You've thrown a lot out here. Women uh, absolutely have the same needs as men for closeness and for sex, etc. They also, though, have control, the ultimate control in those relationships. The power lies with the woman. She can choose to have unprotected sex and roll the dice and realize that she may become pregnant. That's a choice she makes. She can go to Planned Parenthood and get birth control for free. It's $10 a month for the pill at Walmart. But you can go to Planned Parenthood and get it for free. She can also, she wants to be super sure, insist that her male partner wear a condom. Okay. So the woman has the ultimate control as to what happens to her body. If she chooses not to exercise that control, that's on her. So, you know, th th that whole argument of like, oh, it's, it's not her fault. No, sh the woman absolutely has the ultimate control in that process. Not the man. It's the woman who has that control. And if someone, someone can go to another state, as I said, and have an abortion and Planned Parenthood is so much money, I'm sure that they will find a way to have uh, transportation for people from these states into other states. And if it's a married couple that doesn't want the child for whatever reason and they've made that decision because of testing or something along those lines – well, then that's, that's something that they're going to have to discuss. And if you're a married couple that planned on having a baby, I'm sure you have the means to get to another state because having a baby is expensive. And if you can't afford to get to another state, I, can you afford to really have a baby? Are you done? Are you okay, ready? Okay, you know what? You're rude. You no, 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 no. You're rude. I'm done with you. You're rude. You're rude. I was ready to have a conversation with you. I let you speak. I responded to the points that she made, and you come back. Are you done? You're rude. And you don't get anywhere that way. I was trying to be loving like that caller said. I was trying to be loving with you. <laughs> and look what happened. Say it never works. Uh, Linda in France. Linda, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, 
Hey, Mary. I really love when you step in for Brian. You, you do such a remarkable job. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I just uh, I wanted to add my two cents. Um, I'm 55. When I was building my career in my 20s, I got pregnant, and I, I murdered my baby. Um, so, yes, I had an abortion. I've regretted it every single day. Um, in fact, she would be 20. I, I consider it in my heart. She's a girl. And uh, I even named her. Her name's Grace. And she would be 27 now. And I think about just because of my selfishness about putting my career first, I lost this incredible chance of getting to know this new life. I I can't imagine what that is like to have to bear that. And I think it's different for every woman who goes through that. And I'm really sorry that you are going through that because it makes me sad. But... You can use it for good. You can use it for good to influence others, which is great. Exactly. And plus, on top of that, I'm I'm a woman of faith. So because I believe in in Jesus and God, I I just I know I'm going to I'm going to meet her when when I'm in heaven. I believe I'm going to meet her. So, no, it, it doesn't depress me. I'm just saying for people that that go through it, it's amazing because what they need to do is talk to other women that have had an abortion to realize what it's like on the opposite side. Yeah. I think that that's an important tool. Thank you for sharing your story, Linda. Maybe, you know, some one person heard that story and it makes them think twice, then it was totally worth it. So thank you. I appreciate your, your openness and, and sharing what you went through with all of that. That That's not easy. Thank you so much, Linda. And here's the other thing. Abortion, abortion. adoption is great. I have an adoptive family member, immediate family member. My mother had an adopted immediate family member. She had an adopted family member. We all have them. It's a good thing. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Yes, I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Nursing a little bit of a cold here, so I sound like Kathleen Turner. But, you know, that's my sexy voice. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the news with Liz Peak. Liz is a Fox News contributor and a columnist for FoxNews.com, also a contributor for The Hill. She's a very, very, very busy woman. Liz, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? I'm terrific. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk about COVID because everybody's like, oh, are you sure you don't have COVID? I'm like, I have the flu. Um, <laughs> not everything is COVID. Um, and uh, so, so what's going on with, uh, what is it, Omicron? Or everybody's saying it the wrong way. This, no, from Omicron what I understand. Right. right. It's so Omicron it's, it's is just, right. Okay. So Omicron <laughs> is right. But from what I understand, it's, it's much less lethal. It's much less severe than Delta and the original um, COVID, correct? Yes, yes. And so you do have to wonder a little bit, why are we taking all these precautions about visitors coming in from um, overseas and so forth? The answer is, I don't really know, because it looks to me like this thing is not very harmful. And and here's one thought, Mary, which I don't 
have any background in this or I'm not a doctor, but it seems to me if you have this virus variant come in and it goes crazy fast through the entire population, then everybody's got antibodies, right? Everybody is therefore, I think, going to be much better protected against the next wave. I think this is how viruses maybe flame out, is that uh, you get sort of a version that comes along that is very contagious. Everybody gets it. And then there are no new hosts. Now, I, I may be totally wrong here. Uh, maybe this particular variant will come back around and revisit you. I don't know. But meanwhile, I've not seen any report anywhere, even as now hundreds of people have gotten it, that anyone's in a hospital. No one has died from it. So I, I do think we're probably... You know, at least this is not going to be something that I think really moves the needle on the economy, on reopening, et cetera. Certainly people are a little nervous. They were when the when word of it first hurt, uh, hit and they were particularly nervous because the government went to great lengths to put in new restrictions on travel and so forth. I, I actually think that's over. I mean, I looked at the mobility indexes from uh, Apple and so forth yesterday, last night, actually. I don't see much change in people's willingness to go out or they're searching for, you know, Apple kind of measures people's activity levels. It looks to me like there hasn't been much change. So I think you're right. From what I remember from science class, viruses are living things. And so if they kill the host too quickly, they die out. Right. That's why yeah. we, we, you know, we never saw Ebola come here because it just killed people really super quickly. So that died out. So what they do is they mutate. So you get a strain that's more contagious, like Omicron, it, it, uh, Omicron, whatever it is, uh, it, it becomes more contagious and, but it becomes less harmful. So you're much right. more likely to get flu like symptoms like they talk about and they, which pretty much it's, I would assume would be hard to tell the difference between that and the flu, but it becomes more shareable because that's how it survives. And, you know, you look at Vermont, Vermont has the highest vaccination rate in the country, but yet they also have record-breaking COVID numbers. Interesting. Uh, And of course, it's colder in Vermont, so people are back indoors. I mean, I, I think we can't underplay the fact that there's a real seasonality to this thing. Florida got into trouble this summer when they were all indoors because it's so hot. And now Florida's numbers are great again. I think a lot of it just has to be with has to do with where you are. But anyway, I look, uh, I, I think we have to sort of go ahead and, and recognize that this this COVID, this pandemic, this coronavirus is going to be around for a while, just like the flu is around every year. And by the way, I hope you don't have the flu because probably right now that's probably more dangerous to you than Omicron. Um, and by the way, it's Omicron. It's not Omnicron, which is what yeah. Biden keeps calling it. He uh, screwed me up. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. We kept practicing on set the other day. Omicron. You know. Right. Uh, but anyway. Um, but but look, we we got to move on. We got to have what we know is all the lockdowns, all the restrictions. At the end of the day did not accomplish very much. The numbers between countries and states that did all that uh, really looked not much different from the states and countries that didn't. Uh, and we also know that there was a huge cost. I mean, the idea that our governor in New York State immediately went to, well, gosh, the hospitals might be overrun by Omicron, so we better start allowing them to push off 
uh, you know, other kinds of medical procedures. That is a disaster. We know that people skip their cancer screening, right. skip their yeah. uh, treatments for cancer, skip all kinds of things because they weren't allowed in the hospitals. They were scared to go into hospitals. That is a disaster. We also, and oh, the damage done to our children uh, from not being in school. And, uh, you know, you can go on and on. I think you could, there will be a review at some point, you know, a year from now, five years from now. And it'll be very interesting whether there's really an honest accounting of whether all the draconian measures that were taken were really worth right. much. And, and I actually think that perhaps if, if there's an honest accounting of that, people will decide that it was not worth uh, very much. That, that if people now... When, people, when there was no vaccine and there were no therapeutics available, okay, we had to be pretty careful. But once those things became widespread uh, and, and available, as they have been most of this year, I think then we have to really start questioning any kind of really restrictive behavior. Yes. And, you know, we've got Biden putting in place now starting Monday that anyone coming into the country legally has to provide a, a COVID test 24 hours before their arrival. Yet at the same time, coming across the border, the sainted Dr. Fauci says, oh, well, that's different and brushes it off. <laughs> How do Americans take any of this seriously when we see with our own eyes what's happening that I have to provide some kind of proof, but anybody can walk across the southern border without proof? It's ludicrous, but unfortunately, there are very few people talking about that. You're talking about it. Fox News is talking about it. You can be pretty sure the other networks are not. And I'm sure there are a great many Americans who don't know that that's happening. I do see, you know, we have reinstated the remain in Mexico policy. Biden administration had to do that because of a court order. My guess is they are desperate to do that because this immigration thing is one of the things the president is getting badly beaten up on, and rightly so. Uh, more than a million people came in the country last year illegally, and, and that's just unconscionable. I, re I see now, though, in, in uh, arranging for the new Remain in Mexico arrangements uh, in dealing with the Mexican authorities, we have now agreed to provide uh, vaccines. But they're not requiring them, is my understanding. Why the heck aren't they requ required? Anybody coming into the United States from uh, illegally or across the border to, uh, seeking asylum, of course they should have a vaccine. If we're going to mandate it for people earning a living and paying taxes, what the heck? How can we not mandate it for people coming into the country seeking asylum? It's preposterous. Well, if we mandated that, then they wouldn't, may not vote Democrat. Well, or they might not come, which could even be better. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, tell me about this vaccine database. 80 House Republicans on Tuesday in the House voted with Democrats to pass the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. Um, why do we need a federal database if all the states have a database of who's been immunized? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> I don't know the answer. I think there there is just this sort of general reach on the part of the federal government for more information. And, and I don't want to say this is like China, but, you know, what China did was assemble data on their citizens and then uh, begin to monitor everything they do much more closely. You, and I really don't like the idea. I, I don't like the idea of having 80,000 new IRS agents pouring over every small business's books and so forth. I don't like the idea of the more databases on gun right. owners. And I don't like 
idea of a federal database on vaccines. This is private information. It has always been the case that your medical history was your own property and, and, sac- and sacrosanct. Uh, I would hate to see that change. Yeah, as would I would hate to see that change. One last question on this, then I want to get to the um, economy and where we feel with labor, because you wrote a very good piece for this for The Hill. Um, Why does the United States not recognize acquired immunity with COVID? People who, whether they're vaccinated or not, got got COVID and now have lasting immunity longer than the vaccine. They don't need boosters. Their, Their immunity at last count was going into a year. Yeah, I don't understand that. It seems to me, talk about not following the science. Clearly, that is not following the science. I only can guess that they don't trust people to report accurately on whether or not they've had COVID. Uh, In other words, someone could say, if there's a a mandate that they have to get vaccinated at work, they say, hey, I had it, so why should I do it? And and my guess is we don't have enough testing available uh, on antibodies. I don't know whether you've ever had that antibody test. I did early on, and I discovered I actually had had COVID. Uh, So I I think maybe that's one of the reasons. But otherwise, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. As you point out, the resistance is much better. Absolutely. I'm sorry for, I apologize for talking over you. I was going to say that if, if you get the test, the state has a copy of whether you tested positive or not, they can provide, why can't they provide you with a card? Just like you provide people with papers to show that they've had the vaccine. Why can't you hand people papers to show that they've had the COVID? Seems pretty simple to me. The answer is I, I, Mary, I think you're completely right. And I think it's stupid. I don't know why. And by the way, that's why a lot of people are resisting getting vaccinated because they've already had it. They figure their immunities are pretty good. Uh, So why should they inject some foreign substance into their body that they're not completely comfortable doing? I I actually think that's reasonable. Now, you wrote a piece in The Hill uh, talking about Joe Biden's big labor push is not winning voters. Now, Joe Biden did promise to be the most pro-union president you've ever seen, as you note in the beginning of your piece. But and and a lot of union people voted for him and told their members to vote for him. And then he turns around and immediately like shuts down the Keystone pipeline and puts <laughs> hundreds of union workers, thousands out of business. And he's been doing that with mining and all sorts of other things. How's that working out for him? Is he turning all those people into Republican voters now? <laughs> I think that, I think that's true. I think he is. Uh, energy workers are pretty skeptical of Joe Biden because, yes, he definitely does want to shut them down. You know, another group, which I don't talk about in this piece, but I think it's interesting, you know, electric vehicles require much less labor uh, to create them. There are fewer moving parts it's, and, and than regular cars. So his big push for EVs, I mean, at some, to- at some point, the United Auto Workers might want to take a look at that and say, wait a minute, you're putting lots of us out of a job. And that, by the way, is a fact. Um, I I think that Joe Biden is sort of stuck in the 1950s. I think he feels that, you know, the panacea, (laughs) he has one big idea is get everyone vaccinated. The other big idea is if everyone just belonged to a union, life would be so much better. Uh, And and what we find is the economy has shifted in various ways that really don't make that very sensible. But to your point, too, it, it is you know, he has a sort of anti-work bias in his administration, certainly an anti-business bias, but he hasn't really championed work, uh, encouraged people to get jobs and so forth. <clears throat> his whole 
his whole push for big labor is just about another demo, paying off another big Democrat support group. They gave him $27 million, his own personal campaign in 2020. Big labor also gave hundreds of millions of dollars to Democrats, maybe like one million to Republicans. Um, it is probably the biggest lifeline that Democrats have. Right. But but if you look at the polling, who uh, polling, you know, polling on unions right now is not terrible. It's actually better than it's been in some years. Uh, and particularly young people think, you know, they bought Joe Biden's line that this is a good thing. But but they don't think but it's not important. It's not what they really care about. And so when Build Back Better is stuffed full of things like making union dues deductible. So putting on to taxpayers uh, the, the requirement for funding organized labor, that's pretty offensive. But that's not even important either. What's important is inflation. What's important is the border. And if you look at uh, polling on what's most important to Americans. Those are the issues, and those are the issues Joe Biden's failing at. So even the cohorts like younger voters and low-income voters, who you might think um, are uh, more susceptible to this big union push, guess what? His approval ratings with those groups are in the toilet and worse than they are for wealthy Americans. Right. So you know, I, I think he's got the wrong solution. He's creating a problem where, where one doesn't exist. Uh, and look, I think this administration is just so unbelievably ham-fisted. And, uh, you know, I don't think they have good answers to any of the issues which which are problems for Americans right now. And that's why Biden is failing. Liz, in, in 20 seconds, the Senate passed the funding bill, despite the vaccine mandate, all of that. And the only it includes those seven billion in new funding to support Afghan refugees that the Democrats wanted. Did the GOP get anything they wanted in, in, added into that bill? I am not aware of anything that, was, yeah, of course that they got. Yeah, that's what I figured. Well, Once again, nothing. Yeah. I mean, they're just kicking the can down the down the road. And look, there are a lot more important things going on. Uh, I hope that the debt ceiling is another speed bump for uh, for the Senate. I hope it gets hung up on that so we don't get this horrible Build Back Better bill going through. That's the important one. That is the important one. That's that's that is definitely something that we had that I hope the Republicans stand strong on. Liz Peak, thank you so much for joining me on the Brian Kilby Show. I love when you're on. You're just you just have so much information. Thank you, (laughs) Mary. You're always fun to talk to. Thank you very much for having me. Have Have a great great Christmas if we don't talk again. Oh, thank you. You too. And have a great weekend. All right. We got more coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show for you. Giving you everything you need to know. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Coming up, I'm going to take your calls. We're going to talk about our kids. What's wrong with the kids these days? There's a song about that, isn't there? What's wrong with kids these days? So yesterday we had a story out of Brooklyn where a kid was found 17 years old. He showed up late for school and around noon, showed up around noon, and he entered into the office to log in, and a school staffer spotted what she thought was a pistol, a gun, in his backpack, and she alerted the school safety agents, and it turns out that he did have a gun. It was a a ghost gun. It was loaded. And um, also, I think it was something like $30,000 in cash. 
So clearly something's right. It's not going on there. So they set up an impromptu metal detector at the same school the day after the kid was busted. And they found 21 weapons in just one day. 21 weapons in one day. They don't normally have a scanner in place. They said they got nine knives, seven cans of pepper spray, four stun guns, and a pair of brass knuckles. So at least there were no more guns, which is, which is a good thing. So um, this, is, this is just uh, – so I want to ask you, why is it so different now with our kids? Why is it so different now? And I hate to sound like I'm 10,000 years old, but I feel that way when I read these stories. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in rural New Jersey – and first day of deer season, there would be no one in school. Nobody would be there. And and you would go to the senior lot and all the guys would have their pickup trucks and they had their 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 you know their their shotguns on the back, you know, their rifles for hunting would be in the back window. Nobody came in and shot anybody in school. Never happened. Something's different today, and I'd like to know what it is. 866-408-7669. Your call's coming up on the Brian Kilmead Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Does the president still think that crime is up because of the pandemic? I think uh, many people have conveyed that, and also one of the reasons that crime, one of the root reasons crime, we've uh, root causes of crime in communities is guns and gun violence. Yeah, it's it's the guns problem. Yet a generation ago, we had guns, and you could go to school with them in your truck if depending on where you lived and nobody shot anybody and and the guns never walked out of the out of the trucks and and came into the classrooms and killed people it didn't happen and yet we hear the story out of New York and we had the shooting right of those those four kids who died that was terrible the 15 year old took his dad's gun to school you the you have officials in Brooklyn who set up a temporary, just a single metal detector in a Brooklyn school because the day before they got a student with a loaded gun and thirty thousand dollars in cash uh, and a ghost gun, and they find they find twenty one weapons in just one day. What's happening now? The argument is some of these kids are taking this to school for protection. Well, if that's true then what's happened with the adults in school? Or is this something that's always happened in inner city schools? They're a rough place, you know, and, and we've never tackled that problem. And if that's true, then we are really failing these children. But something has changed. I don't think it's the availability of guns, because I think guns were far more available years ago than they are now. There were far fewer restrictions than there are now. Um, I grew up with with a gun in the home, and my father taught us how to respect it. My brothers were Boy Scouts. They learned how to shoot them uh, in, in Boy Scouts, and, and the family was allowed to come, and we learned how to, how to handle a weapon and all of that. And we grew up with a healthy respect for firearms. But we also never, ever, ever felt a need to take one to school because someone was bullying us or harassing us. And I suspect, this is, now I'm just going to throw this out there, you can feel free to disagree with me, but I suspect we have kids who don't know how to handle conflict. They don't know how to handle disappointment because their parents have paved the way for them. They've smoothed out the road every step of the way. If, if a teacher says there's a problem with your kid, you go after the teacher. Not everybody, obviously, but a lot of parents do. It's the teacher's fault. 
So the teachers just let the bad behavior go on. You know, the parents uh, with the, with the shooting in um, Michigan, they, um, they got, they had several meetings with teachers who said, this is a problem. You know, your kids got a problem. There were several meetings. Something didn't happen. But it's not just one case. This is happening all over the country where kids are beating each other up. You see, you see kids beating each other on the, on the subway and everything. It just seemed violent. Girls too. You know, there's, there's, I forget where it was, but there's a group of dads who patrol this classrooms, patrol the um, hallways in the school that their kids go to. And they go around in a group. They're big men, they're big men. And they go around and they patrol the hallways and tell the kids to get to class and everything else. The kids love it. Violence is down. There's no more fights because there's some discipline. So I think it's a, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I just thought I'd throw it out to you and see what you think. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. Joe, uh, I'm listening on WABC in the Bronx. Joe, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Well, I'll tell you, there's one thing that I stri- that strikes me as being very interesting uh, with regard to the dilemma of uh, school shootings and uh, <clears throat> just uh, gun violence among younger people. Um, number one, uh, I'd say that, you know, basically at, on the one hand, you, you have state governments and city governments in liberal states like New York that push extreme gun control, but at the same time coddle criminals who commit violent felonies. Uh, case in point, if you recall Timothy Simpkins, he's that 17-year-old little degenerate out in Arkansas. He brought a uh, gun to school, shot three people. Thank God none of them died, but uh, he was out released within a day on a $1,000 bond. Now, you have Kyle Rittenhouse, on the other hand, who had a $2 million bond, was in right. jail, sitting in, running, running in jail for a month when, when he was clearly acting in self-defense. So again, you know, the government wants to take away guns from people like Rittenhouse, but leave people like Timothy Simpkins unmolested. And there's one final point that I want to point out. The problem in the United States with regard to gun crime and gun violence has nothing to do with guns themselves. It has everything to do with racial disparities in criminal activity. And what do I mean by that? Just in 2020 alone. 56% of the murders in the United States were committed by black Americans. They're only 13% of the U.S. population. Let that sink in. 56% of the murders in one year alone committed by only 13% of the U.S. population. So I ask you, what is the problem? Is it law-abiding citizens who own weapons as pertains to the Second Amendment right to own weapons? or the degenerates who are out there disproportionately preying upon law-abiding people. Well, you listen, I, I, tr- I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's, almost, it's, it's kind of a different topic. You know, I was also going to ask, you know, what's happening in our cities? Why are Democrats allowing our cities to go into the sewers? What's in it for them? But I'm talking about the kids because in school, you know, I, again, and I go back to my experience in New Jersey of all places, which has insane gun laws now, where when I was growing up, the kids, the first day of deer season, school would be empty. All the boys were out hunting. They would, they would sometimes bring their guns and left them in the car. They had their, their shotguns in the car, their rifles in the car that they would hunt with, and they left them in their trucks. And nobody ever brought them into school. Nobody ever thought about going into school to kill someone to right a wrong. That didn't happen. But that's changed. And you know, I, I think that's a different 
conversation than what's happening with bail laws and everything else and letting criminals go free in our cities and all of that, Joe. I, I think it's a little bit of, of a different conversation, but it is a good point that I do want to touch on. Thank you very much for joining me on The Brian Kilmeade Show. I think it's, an, again, as I said, another topic, but you know, we can go. We have another topic about New York that hopefully we'll get to coming up with um, legalizing more illegal behavior and enabling more illegal behavior. I don't understand what the point of that is. But what's going on with our kids? There isn't a kid, by the way, there isn't a person, I don't think, under the age of 40 who doesn't have anxiety, doesn't suffer from depression, doesn't have ADD, doesn't have ADHD, doesn't have some kind of thing going on, whether it's diagnosed by a doctor or not. They just say, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. I, I, I never felt anxious. Like maybe I mean, I always said I was nervous. Like, oh, I'm nervous to take this test. They have anxiety and it's debilitating and they can't take the test. When did that start? And does that maybe play into all of this that we've we've enabled this almost helplessness, if you will, um, and, and, you know, can't do for yourself, if you will. Nothing's your fault. And so when you're confronted with some kind of adversity, you don't know how to handle it. Let's stay in New York and talk to Steve. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing great. So what's going on? Good. So you actually just touched on the point that I was going to make, but uh, there's a other factors as well but the point you were just leaving off on is this we have a few generations at least one or two generations of kids that have been raised on prescription drugs to to treat their anxiety or their depression or their mania all these are things that if you're looking at adolescence or even pre-adolescence growing up and going through phases in life and diagnosing their behavior as though they're a 40-year-old adult that should already be well-adjusted or even a younger adult. But And th- that's the reason you come up with a, a diagnosis and say, oh, my God, they need a pill. They're not well-adjusted. If, if you're 11 years old and you're not well-adjusted yet, it's <laughs> you're not supposed to be yet. So right. the answer you're, isn't a pill. The answer is actually being parented and being given guidance by other adults and uh, also just learning among your peers as to how to deal with things, anxiety, depression, all these things. The answer is not Ritalin. The answer is not Paxil. The answer isn't all these pills, and it's the destruction. And it's my understanding that uh, the great majority of young school shooters, of school shooters in general, uh, are either on a drug or weren't on their drug. And here's the thing. They should have never been put on drugs, in my opinion, anyway. You know, there may be some people that should have been put on a prescription. But look, the pharmaceutical industry makes money off of pushing prescriptions. So they label what it's for, and then all of a sudden they tell every doctor, this is what it's for, and it's great if you find a bunch of people who need it. And then they find a bunch of people who need it. But they don't really need it. What they need is guidance and learning and growing up. Yeah, and I another think, factor. Go ahead. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say, I think there is a place for that. I do think that we do know more about things like dyslexia. No, instead of just smacking the kid in the head and saying, figure out, how, you know, learn how to read, we now know about dyslexia. That's a good thing. So I do think there are some instances where, um, where, pharmaceuticals can absolutely help. But I think every boy who acts like a boy in second grade, which is fidgeting, running around, hitting the girls, you know, being a boy, we run to put them on some kind of drug to calm them down. No, they're boys. That's what boys do. Boys are stupid when they're little. Sorry, guys. But, you know, they, they, they run around and act like idiots when they're little. That's what they do. 
Exactly. Uh, you know, that, that would get into the whole gender thing. When you actually start to get hit with testosterone in your body, you're, it's going to affect your behavior. When you start to get more estrogen in your body, it's going to affect your behavior. Exactly. You don't diagnose that natural behavior change <laughs> as exactly. a problem and then use drugs to pretend to fix the problem. Exactly. So then Steve. once you do that and the person never needed a drug, if they get off it, if they try to get off it, now they're dependent on it and their behavior swings as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good theory, Steve. Thank you so much. I I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, I, I just we were we just actually had the conversation before the show started off the air. A friend of mine posted a picture. I'm going to be very careful about their child. I'm not going to say it was a boy or girl about their child. And I was like, oh, kids in a rough patch right now. Like kids, you know, and they change as they grow up, right? Like you can have a kid who's a beautiful baby, and then they hit like 11, and it's it's like, oh, look at that. That is wow. I hope you grow out of this stage. Middle school is hell. It's a horrible, horrible age. But you got to teach kids how to go through it. Kids are going to make fun of you. That happens because you're gangly, you're gawky, you have braces, you got weird hair, whatever. Everyone goes through it. But I don't know if the, if the, if the better living through chemistry is always the answer. And maybe it's harming us. I think it's food for thought. 866-408-7669. More of your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. We're talking about uh, what's been happening across the country. You, you know, we get these school shootings and everybody goes crazy and and, uh, you know, well, it's the gun's fault. We have to get rid of guns. we got to make guns harder to get. Nine times out of ten, it's not a legally owned gun. That kid had was not in legal possession of that gun. Now, did his father have it stored the way it was supposed to be? I guess we'll find out. And if not, I'm sure the father is going to pay a heavy price for that. But we do know that there were several meetings with the parents about their son's behavior. So the teachers did what they were supposed to do. The teachers raised the red flags, but yet the system still failed. But I think there's a deeper question here. And every time I hear this, I'm like, what the heck is happening with kids? Like, I don't, I, I, thankfully, we never had somebody go out to their truck and bring their gun into school because they had a beef with another kid. And, and, and that's how they saw it was the best way to handle it. There's something going on. 866-408-7669. Let's go to Florida. Patricia, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hi. Good morning, Mary. Great job. Um, The reason I'm calling, my background is investment banking and management. And for five years after that, I did investigative work for child protection for the state of Florida. It was amazing. I'd never worked for the government before. That's eye-opening, and that's another discussion. But I've interviewed thousands of kids, all ages. And one thing that I would always ask them is, what is the biggest problem that you have? Consistently, it was the adults in their life do not listen to them. The kids, it was amazing. Most of them had something that they really loved, a goal or something they wanted to do, and it wasn't nurtured, and it was unbelievable to me. One young man wanted to be an airline pilot. 
he loved it and it wasn't professional enough. His dad wanted him to be a doctor or an attorney. Right. Again, another little girl wanted to be a fashion designer. Oh, my God, you should have seen it. She had to hide it in a notebook because they wanted her to be something else. They don't listen. And again, my goals changed over the years. First, I wanted to be a doctor, then an attorney, and then I discovered investment banking. Again, it evolved. But if they could find a goal that these kids are passionate about and help nurture that. The other thing is boundaries. They just let them grow up. They don't guide them. They don't. Then it's tough being a parent. Okay, it takes time. Uh, you've got to invest time, and maybe it changes your schedule because somebody's on restriction. Again, that's almost unheard of anymore because it inconveniences the parent or the caregiver. It's not always parents. It's caregivers as well because a lot of these kids are being raised by grandparents due to drugs and other things. So um, do you? Th- so, let me ask you, as I'm listening to this, do you think that this is because of the advent of the cell phone? Well, I think that as well, and I have an interesting experience with that because I've had this little girl in my life since she was three and a half. Her parents were into drugs, being raised by a great-grandma because nobody wanted her, and she got an iPhone, or uh, not an iPhone, the iPod, and she was on it, and I'd pick her up, and we'd go do things on the weekends, and she started playing on that, and I go, oh, what's that? And she goes, oh, it's my new iPod. So I'm driving. I make a U-turn, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to take you back home so you can play on your iPod. She goes, what? I said, you and I always spend this time talking and doing things together, but I understand it's new and you want to play on your iPod. It wasn't a confrontation. I just gave her a choice. She made it. She put it away. So the second time I picked her up, the next weekend, she did the same thing. I did a a U-turn. You know, she never brought it again. We had the best times. We would start in the morning. We'd go until early yeah. evening. We'd talk and have fun. So, again, well, it's a matter of doing things without confrontation. Yeah, and I, I was referring more to the to the cell phones with the parents than that, but, but we got to run. Oh. Thank you. I, I appreciate you joining us, Patricia. I'm sorry, but we, we've got to run. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, I was talking more about the lines of the parents because I think we've all seen it. I've seen it in grocery stores where parents just are not paying an ounce of attention to their kid. They're on the phone, throwing things into the cart. The kid's talking to them where you could be engaged with your child. And they're on the phone talking about something that has nothing, that is nothing of importance. I just want to say to them, my God, look at your kid. Your kid is, is begging for attention here and you're not even looking at your kid. So I, I wonder if all of this plays in together. Now, yes, the advent of drugs, of course, you know, you've got kids being raised by grandparents, but grandparents can raise great kids, although they raise the kid that's on drugs. So, you know, yes, that too. But um, I think grandparents can, can be wonderful influences and other people outside of the kid's life can be a wonderful influence on that kid. But there, there is a piece that is missing. And I think part of it too is schools are cutting parents out of the kid, out of the, some decisions kids make. You know, there's another story with uh, schools across the country helping kids to quote-unquote transition to another gender with the drugs without telling the parents. So parents who want to be involved can't be involved. And that is just plain wrong. I'm Mary Walter. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. 
Yes, I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. Thank you for joining us. If you're just joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's talk about the economy, shall we? We got some new numbers out about hiring. David Nelson, CFA's chief strategist from Bell Point Asset Management joins us. You can find him on Twitter at David Nelson, CFA. David, thank you for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So we got some new jobs numbers out. 210,000. Are they expected 550,000? Why are the numbers continually underperforming? What's happening? You know, I think you're hitting, hitting, hitting the nail on the head. It was a disappointment. 210,000 was obviously, obviously less than half. And maybe even of more concern is, uh, you know, wages are continuing to climb up 5% from a year ago. A lot of employers are being forced to really pay up here. And, the, the, you know, it's understandable we're trying to get people to go back to work, but, but they're also offering some pretty big bonuses here. And for, for some reason, a lot of workers out there just seem very reluctant to get back into the office. Is it because there are corporations and businesses that are insisting you come back physically into the office? And with some people don't want to do that just because you, in order to do that, they're forcing you to get vaccinated. And maybe some people don't want to be vaccinated. They enjoy working from home. They, it's a better life. They're choosing lifestyle and, and quality of life over that commute and the grind. Some people don't want to commute into the office. Like in New York, especially at night when you're walking, if you're walking to the subway or to the train or something like that, it's dark. When you're leaving and people are scared, why don't people want to go back? I think for all of the above, uh, certainly in New York City, it is a scary place. I was just in there recently, hadn't been there in more than a year and a half. And it wasn't the same New York that I had left back, say, in, in 2019. I think the right. vaccine mandate, that's a problematic situation. You know, I, I certainly been vaccinated. I've had two, and I'm likely to go for a boot booster. But mandating is probably not the way to go. I think, you know, this is a free society. People have to make decisions about, about, about what they want to do, whether or not they want to get the jab or not. If the administration really wanted to do something and, and get the vaccination rates much, much higher, they really should look to their spokesperson, uh, Dr. Fauci. He should probably, at this point, step down, in large part because he's really— you know, he's lost half the faith of the half the American elect, electorate at this point, uh, and he's largely become a political animal. And that's not that's not helpful. If you really want to get the numbers up, get a new spokesperson. Yeah, absolutely. When Peter Ducey asked him, you know, okay, we're going to have these vaccine mandates for people coming into the country legally. Will you will you demand the same at the southern border for people coming into the country illegally? And he said, well, that's a different situation. What? You just lost 100 million people. How is that that a different situation? Of course, it, it, it isn't, and most of the American public uh, understands that. So there are a lot of, of, a lot of people who are reluctant. You need, a, you need a credible spokesperson at this point. And if your goal is, is to get people vaccinated, and I think that's what Dr. Fauci wants, this comes a time when you decide, you know what, I think I'm going to step down and let somebody else take the, uh, take the message. Yeah, and, and these, these businesses that are hanging on to this, that are forcing people to get vaccinated, where are the workers going that are leaving? Where are they going? How are they paying the rent? How are they paying the mortgage? You know, some of it is uh, certainly government benefits, and some of them are starting uh, new businesses. A lot of very, you know, a lot of new businesses have started over the last year. People are working from home, and they're finding a lot of ways to do it. You can actually start a business. There are companies out there like Shopify that can make it very easy for you to collect payments online, become a consultant. They have alternatives, and they're not necessarily going back to the office. 
Yeah, it, that that is very interesting because a lot of people who have had these jobs, um, you know, they're they're not all those who left. They're not all becoming doctors. You know, like there she's a stripper because she was working her way through medical school. So I don't think all of these people who were servers, etc., have quit their jobs in order to start businesses. So for me, there there is a, a bit of a disconnect because we also had the um the unemployment rate dropped more than expected from 4.2 to 4.2% from 4.6, which is the lowest level since the pandemic began. So how can the unemployment, oh, the unemployment rate is lower because there's so many job openings. Well, in, right? in part because the, the, the labor participation rate isn't what it was in 2019. It edged up. It was a, a, maybe a good sign in, in today's report, uh, but only slightly. We're well below the numbers in 2019 when our job market was extremely robust. There are a lot of, there are a lot of people hanging back for, for, for a variety of reasons, and we just talked about you know four or five of them, but I'm sure there are others out there. Yeah, it's it's just a mystery to me. Like, where are all these people going? Because who wouldn't want to just say, you know, to heck with this and walk out the door and somehow manage to still pay their bills? You know, now, part of this is, you know, you can work at home, maybe even save a little money. People looking at energy prices right now, that's become a, a huge, huge component of what people are thinking right now. Sure. Uh, you know, Energy is really the wild card because it touches everything. It doesn't just just touch you when you're going to you know to work and what you're paying for in, in the, at the gas tank. It, it touches energy. It touches every line out of the income statement of every large multinational corporation. It's a real issue for the administration, and they're not dealing with it correctly. You know, on the other hand, though, when you're at work, you're not paying for heat at home. Mm. <laughs> I guess that's true. Uh, somebody else is paying for it. When I'm, I'm in my for... office today, we're having a heat problem. We don't have any heat today. Oh, no. My husband tells me all the time when I'm, when I'm, I'm at home, he goes, don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all of this being said, I was watching Fox this morning, and I saw a poll that says 60% are unhappy with the direction of the country. So if 60% of the people are unhappy with the direction of the country, does that affect the economy? And if so, how? It's certainly a political dynamic, and it will play out over the, you know, certainly over the next next election cycle. I guess, you know, for for Americans, they look at what's going on in Washington, and and really very little is getting getting done. There's a problematic monster, monster bill that's before Congress. I think at this point it's unlikely to get through, certainly not in, a, in its present form. But they look at just some of the things like energy prices right now. They look at an administration that has largely turned to OPEC to supply our energy needs. In less than a year, in less than a year, the U.S. has gone from energy independent yeah. to depending on OPEC, a cartel-like structure that for the last half century has been dictating where oil prices are going. They go out and release 50 million uh, uh, barrels from the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, to try to get prices down. That did nothing. Prices went up that day. It was less than three days' supply. So there's a fair amount of chaos in Washington, and I think Americans are pretty disappointed. And uh, they're going to probably that'll probably show up in the poll numbers uh, over the next several months. Yeah, it's it's going to be a problem for them. Let's talk about the word inflation because that's another problem. And I don't think people necessarily understand inflation. What they do understand is that when they go to the grocery store, not only are things more expensive or the packaging smaller because I ran into that recently. I needed I was baking and I needed a pound of an ingredient, 16 ounces. It's it's now 14 ounces. So I had to buy two and now I got stuff left over, but I can't make another one cuz I'm still two ounces shy. So people notice that the games that are being played, or you can't get the ingredients at all. 
How is that affecting things? It, it affects everything. Uh, it certainly affects the supply chain. Think about it from, from a global perspective. If a, if, a, if a factory overseas can't make some widget that's needed by a factory here in the United States, they in turn can't get that good to a retailer somewhere in New York City who in turn can't supply to a customer. Economic activity starts to slow and it just trickles down through the economy. I'm projecting right now, we have robust GDP numbers right now, gross domestic product. That's likely to go down every quarter through the end of next year. Uh, so I'm looking at something under 2% for next year. That's really where we were for, you know, a good part of the last decade, you know, subpar growth. Well, the Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell came out and said this week that um, he's going to stop using the word transitory to describe the high and rising inflation, which everyone basically that I saw said when it first when he was first saying transitory, people were like, no, this isn't transitory. This is here to stay. So what are we what can we expect in the future if inflation is not transitory and it's here to stay? Well, they, they're going to have to take action. And uh, I'm glad he retired the word because he was just really, you know, echoing the sentiment that every American sees when they, you know, they pay higher prices from groceries to the to the, to the gas pump. Uh, so what's going to happen, and they'll probably announce it next week, they'll, they'll be increasing, doubling up the speed of the taper, which is really just slowing down the amount of bomb buying that they've doing. They've flooded the system with liquidity. They're going to start to withdraw that. But we have to add on to that because now we have to start to project forward where interest rates might start to rise. So if you were looking for it at the end of next year, that could move up, you know, several several quarters. And that starts to become a problem for the, the, for the stock market, which in turn affects the wealth effect that could affect spending. So it all, it's all interrelated. And when the Fed starts raising rates, it's going to be a problem for everything. Yeah, because I, I know people right now who are like, it's time to sell, time like your home, sell your home, downsize, but then you've got to buy something else at an inflated price, right? Or rent something at an inflated price because this can't, this can't go on forever. And 45% of Americans, according to a new Gallup poll, say that inflation is responsible for their current financial difficulties. And of course, the people who are hurt the most from this are the people who are in the lower incomes. Those who are making $40,000 $40, or less are really the true victims here that that's very true and it, it doesn't get talked about enough we you know we all feel it and every, everybody feels it in every demographic but if you're at the low end of the scale and you're really living paycheck to paycheck then you know a even you know a 20 cent rise in gasoline prices here in this state it's a dollar a uh, dollar rise in gasoline price prices is a big part of your you know expenditures on a, on any given week that translates through it has enormous economic implications, but also political as well. So bottom line it for me, if I'm listening to this right now and I'm wondering, is it time to get out of the stock market, slowly pull back? Is it time to sell my house, slowly do that? What, what, what do you look at in like the next six months? Where do you see things going? Are we still riding high or do things slow uh, down? We're not riding high. We're, we're not riding high. Equity prices are near the highs, that's, that's for sure. What's going to change is the kind of stocks that are going to go up. Uh, I doubt it's going to be the, the super high flyers in there, and I think investors are going to move down the valuation scale to more traditional companies. You know, don't try to, to time the market because for most people, you know, down 10%, you think you're going to get back in. For most people, that's not a trigger to buy. It's, you know, down 10 feels like down 20 is around the corner, and then you're likely to miss the next leg of the bull market. So hang in there with your 401k. Just, you know, stick with your, your game plan. Uh, don't change it. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, David Nelson. We do appreciate you. Find him on Twitter at David Nelson CFA. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you for joining me on the Brian Kelly Show. Thank you, Mary. Take care. Your call is 866-408-7669. Do you find inflation cutting into your wallet? We'll take your calls coming up next. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. One of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. And I'm Mary Welcher sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669 is the number we were just talking about inflation. 45% of Americans say inflation is causing financial hardship. Let's go to cut 19, Eric. Yet here is Joe Biden just this week telling you do not believe your lying eyes. If you watch the news recently, you might think the shelves in all our stores are empty across the country. That uh, parents won't be able to get presents for their children on holidays this holiday season. But here's the deal. For the vast majority of the country, that's not what's happening. Because of the actions the administration has taken in partnership with business and labor, retailers and grocery stores, freight movers and railroads, and those shelves are going to be stocked. Are the shelves stocked near you? Are they? My favorite story about unstocked shelves is when I went to go get Brussels sprouts and they didn't have any. I was like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, shipment hasn't come in. It's like... Like, so there are people clamoring for Brussels sprouts. Like, yeah, you should get here early. The shipment comes in tomorrow morning, like around six o'clock. So if you want them, you should get here early. It's like, I'm not standing in line for Brussels sprouts like they're Springsteen tickets, okay? This is just not happening in my world. What is happening? So is Joe Biden right? It's not everywhere across the country. No. So if it's happening in your area, then it's not happening somewhere else. Don't believe your lying eyes, Joe Biden tells you. 866-408-7669 is the number. 45% of Americans say inflation also affecting them. Not only is the scarcity of goods a problem, because when those goods come in, they cost more now. Or they do what happened to me where they change the size of the package. And so you think you're buying a pound only to get it home and find out, oh, it's not a pound. It's only 14 ounces. It's not 16 ounces. It's only 14 ounces. You're like, what the heck? And then, you know, I had to go back to the store and buy another one and then was not a happy camper and life was not good here for that. Uh, but, but that's happening. But yet I was paying the same amount. But this disproportionately affects those that Democrats... Pr- tell us they purport to protect. They are the great caretakers of America's downtrodden poor people, mostly black and Hispanic, because Democrats love to tell you that black people can't handle anything for themselves. They, they're, they're some of the most racist people out there, Democrats, because, you know, black people aren't capable of getting IDs. They cannot function without government. They treat them like they're children. And then this happens. And who gets hurt the most? Those people that they keep telling, vote for me, I'll protect you. Because if you if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Let's go to Al on KDWN in Las Vegas. Al, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hey, Mary, this is Al. Go Trump USA. I've been uh, following you for a long time, and it's a pleasure to speak with you again. Al, how are you? 
Oh, pretty good, pretty good, Mary. Uh, you're always a pleasure to listen to. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to get in, but there's, the topic hasn't been right. And, uh, you know, I own real estate. I'm in the real estate business. I do a lot of rentals. I do buy and hold. And, you know, if you own a home, like let's say your home's worth a simple 100000 and it's gone up, and you sell it, well, you're going to pay 6% commission. Then you're going to go rent for a year or two or three or whatever, and then you're going to buy again, and you're really paying the 6% commission when you buy again because you're buying at a 6% inflated price. So homes have to drop like 20% for you to make any money. So it's best, especially if it's for your retirement, just to stay in your home, try to stay ahead of the um, – uh, try to stay in the game, try to pay your house down, and it's going to pay off for you in the long term when you're ready to retire – you're going to have a place to stay or you can move out of state. I bought a lot of stuff in California, and then I just came and retired here in Vegas. And I got a few rentals, and I'm doing okay. You yeah, know? and you got to make sure if you do something like that, you got to make sure those rentals are in an area where it's friendly to the landlords. Because in some states, the renter has all of the rights, and the landlords, you know, if the if the renter decides just not to pay their bills or whatever it happens to be, the landlord can't even get in. So you got to be careful when you do things like that. I've seen people lose homes because they couldn't keep paying the mortgage without getting any kind of rental income. Al, I'm so glad you got in. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate that. And you have a fantastic weekend. 866-408-7669 is the number. How would you like to talk about the Olympics coming up? The Olympics are coming up. You know, we always forget about it. I've always said I want to be on the Olympic Committee because you get to travel around the world and you're wined and dined and everybody tries to impress you with their city and then you get to pick who gets the next Olympics. And if you're head of the Olympic Committee, all you have to do is, is you know, you, you um, give them the oath, you know, you administer the oath. That's it. And you get to sit there and enjoy all the games. So we're going to talk about that coming up on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Okay. The Olympics is coming up. Did you know that? I, I I used to love the Olympics. I used to love it. I used to love watching it. My favorite is the Winter Olympics because they have curling. And curling is one of those things that I think most people look at and say, oh, I can still do that. I can do that. I can so do curling. I was watching curling the other day. I was flipping through the channels. There was curling. And I sat down. I'm like, oh, 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 oh curling. Uh, so I was very excited about that. But so there's this movement afoot to boycott the Olympics. And um, so China is, of course, running a full-on propaganda campaign with the help of America. And um, they have a state-run, every older media state-run, just like all our media, most of it is propaganda from the Democrats. It's the arm of the Democrat Party. Uh, but so you have a, a publication called Global Times. And in Global Times, they said that um, any kind of boycott of the upcoming Winter Olympics over human rights abuses is selfish and ultimately harmful. Now, the Chinese have just in full view, don't care, just slaughtering the Uyghurs. They don't care. Muslim minority. So you think that the left would be up in arms about this, but shockingly, they're not. Uh, and and they're they're just horrible, terrible people in general. Uh, not not the people of China, but the people who run China uh, from their actions. 
it doesn't seem like a group of people I want to be associated with. And yet we never sanction them. We don't take steps against them. Donald Trump did. But this administration, of course, is not. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. The big guy, eh, he's not so down with sanctioning the Chinese. So they, they had an editorial that zeroed in on what's being called a diplomatic boycott. And it's a concept that's like a watered-down compromise, all right, that would the athletes would still go to the Olympics, but high-level officials from countries would not go to the Olympics in person. But the athletes would still get to go. Now, I kind of get it because the Olympics is not supposed to be political. Yet the Olympics is very political when you're talking about having it in China because everything is a show. Everything they do is propaganda. So, and and you just had that tennis player who like disappeared, Peng Shui. But now, you know, but well, I think what somebody, some outlet just had a phone call with her, a video phone call, and they're going to have another one in January. Yeah, I'm sure she's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I, I'm curious where you fall on this because I have very, very mixed emotions about this. 866-408-7669. 866-408-7669. Part of me feels like we should punish China and not allow them, don't give them this worldwide venue to propagandize the world and ignore, because this is going to bring millions and millions of dollars into their economy. Why reward them when they are slaughtering an an ethnic minority just because they don't like their religion? Why would we do that? So I'm very, I'm I'm stuck on this one. Now, uh, former President Trump, he had an opinion on this. He was asked about it. Here's what he said he would do. You hurt the athletes. You hurt a lot of people. I would not do it. Jimmy Carter tried it. It didn't work. I wouldn't do it. That's not the problem. If we were sanctioning China and we were taking measures against China and punishing them for their treatment of the Uyghurs and other human rights abuses, then maybe I'd be like, okay, yeah, let's do this. But we're not. And this diplomatic boycott, oh, please. It's just such a limp-wristed measure. Like, it's nothing. It's useless. It's like Nancy Pelosi useless, you know? Uh, Senator Bill Haggerty, though, he also weighed in on this and where he thinks should be done when it comes to the Olympics this coming winter. called on the Biden administration to impose a diplomatic boycott. I've also suggested to the Japanese that I'd applaud them if they were to do the same thing. But I want to be clear, Larry, it's a diplomatic boycott that I've called for. I think the athletes need to decide for themselves. My sympathies go to them. They've worked so hard to get to this point. That's a decision that they will have to make. A diplomatic boycott is nothing. It's nothing. So what are you showing them by not coming to the games? What are you showing them? They're still going to propagandize the world. They don't care whether you go or not. It doesn't do anything. But they, they, don't, they don't talk. They don't actually say how it's selfish. If we boycott, they don't really, if any countries boycott, they don't really go into that. Um, and, and a diplomatic boycott, like I said, is not really a boycott at all. The Olympics still go on. They still make tons of money from the athletes ch- uh, traveling there, their families, if they're allowed in, traveling there. Uh, and they still get to propagandize the world. They have the total control over everything. 
So China benefits immensely, even with a diplomatic boycott, which is just a half measure. 866-408-7669. Let's go to New York. Beth listening on WQBK. Beth, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi. So um, I, I feel a little bit like you do about it, but I'm, I mean, I view the just fights between the Democratic Party and Republican Party were incidental. But, you know, uh, the same thing. We buy so many goods from China, um, and it, it doesn't – and to me it's a juggernaut. I mean, I remember when Scott Hamilton, a long time ago, the figure skater from America. Yeah. And, and, yeah, remember him? A little yeah. bit of an underdog, and it meant the world to him. And I'm watching the American, some of the American athletes go out there with some, you know, attitude, well, you know, I can just go off to some Ivy League school if I don't make it here. And that's kind of troubling to me. Not all of them by a long shot. But, so, uh, but again, we, we've done our share of terrible things, and I don't, to me, it's a sideshow. It's meant to be a distraction, um, and I don't think... We can continue to, if we're going to buy goods from China, um, then how can we say boycotting the Olympics is going to, it, it, to me, it is meaningless. Well, I, I think we, we need to go back to some of the um, economic parity we had under Trump with China, where, you know, we put tariffs on their goods as they put tariffs on ours, which, you know, Joe Biden reversed everything Donald Trump is doing. But to say, well, you know, we've done some terrible things. We've never had rape camps to impregnate a Muslim minority women with the children of of us of another religion or the state or something like that. We don't just take people out of their homes and slaughter them. So um, I I don't think I, I think it's a bit of a stretch to try to compare the two. You kind of lost me with with that there, but Beth, thank you, thank you very much. Um, Okay, they say in this piece that anybody who's thinking about a boycott should learn this lesson from history. A sports boycott served – oh, no, wait, excuse me. I apologize. This is the IOC president, Thomas Bach, who says, it's only hurting the athletes. It's hurting the population of the country because they're losing the joy to share, the pride, the success with their Olympic team. And he also talked about the U.S.-led boycott in 1980 of the Moscow Olympics. And Russia then boycotted the 1984 Olympics in L.A., you know, to get back at us. Um, and they kept their athletes home. And it, it's terrible if you're an athlete who's worked and given up so much to be able to do this. But honestly, if you think it's because we're buying too many of their goods, we probably should do our best to buy American. And I will tell you, I think more people are going to buy American now because of the shortage. All that stuff coming from China stuck off in the ocean because California can't get their act together. And so all that stuff stuck over there. Buy American and you don't have to worry about uh, shortages and, and chain supply issues, supply chain issues, because you're buying American. You should try that. 866-408-7669. Jimmy in Raleigh, North Carolina. Jimmy, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. What do you think? Do we boycott? Boycott, man, do we boycott? You know, I was just telling your producer, um, from my perspective, and you were asking about our kids, this is a prime example of uh, in, uh, of, of not holding people accountable. And I, and I told him, like I'll tell everybody, it is, if you don't hold a person accountable, how can you hold a country accountable? And so we're, we're, I was listening to your last caller. It's hard to really understand the, when, when you don't really know that people need to be held accountable. So we kind of got to go back to basics. And, and unfortunately, you know, for me, it's real easy. It's like it's written, you know, plain as day, you know, the reasons why the boycott. But 
you know, I have to back up and punt, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Everybody should want to boycott. I don't I don't care I, I don't I don't want to say I don't care about the athletes because I do care. But the struggle and the sacrifice that goes with it, you know, we join hands, you know, as a as a nation. You know, that's what unites us, man. That's that's where the power comes in. That's why we're, you know, united, we stand divided, we fall kind of thing. I mean, you know, so what we buy goods. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a globalized world, but like you said, what Donald Trump was doing, um, and you know, Basically, he put it plain where everybody could understand. He didn't have those flowery words, but he called a spade a spade, a shovel, right? And so it was easy for us to articulate and, and understand. But this diplomatic boycott, what is that? Are you kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? You know, and, and to know what they did and, and to say, but, but if I, we don't hold China accountable, how can we even talk about holding our children accountable? That, you know, you said it so eloquently. It's so true. People need to be held accountable. Look at what happened to Ines Freedom, Ines Cantor Freedom, who just took became an American citizen and changed his last name to Freedom. He dares to speak out in in the NBA about the Chinese slaughter, the Chinese genocide that's happening right now. And he gets it from all sides because he dares to take a stand. There's no tolerance. There's no exception from those uh, who, who claim and profess to be tolerant. They're the least tolerant people. And these are his own teammates. But you're right. Hold people accountable. Look what China's trying to destroy this country. Thank you so much, Jimmy. You said it so well. Think about it. China's doing everything they can to destroy this country from the inside out. We know they're on social media stoking racial division in this country, and they post things that just are absolutely not true on Twitter and Facebook, and they do it because America is a powder keg of racism, and they know that that's a hot button, so they do it time and time again. And I would not be surprised if there's Chinese money, and I don't know this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's Chinese money flowing into groups like Black Lives Matter. And I, they may not even know that's where it's coming from, but into other groups in this country to try to stoke that division. They are trying to bring us down. Why would we want to give them a venue that makes them look good? I'll get more of your calls coming up, 866-408-7669 on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I would, I should hum the Olympic song. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, hear that song, what, twice every two years, right? Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics. Winter Olympics coming up, and the conversation is, should we boycott because... They are in China, Beijing, Winter Olympics. There's a call to boycott because of their human rights abuses, which they clearly don't care that we know about. They're not going to stop them. And they're basically thumbing their nose at us. And they're, they are slowly taking over our country. Actually, it's quite rapid. They're buying up a ton of land in this country. I don't know why we allow that, but for some stupid reason we do buying up a ton of land in this country. They've infiltrated our schools. They they uh, fund China institutes uh, in our colleges to help indoctrinate those little socialists into communists. Um, that I'm, I'm sure they've got some politicians on the hook. We have the old Fang Fang story. Um, and, and, you know, the big guy and Hunter Biden. And there's a lot of swirling accusations going around at very top levels of government of the Chinese having infiltrated, infiltrated and bought influence. 
But do the Olympic athletes have to pay for that? Do they have to pay that price? 866-408-7669. Gary in Ocala, Florida on WSKY. Gary, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, Mary. How you doing? Doing just great. So what do you think? Go or not go? So I think boycott now. I mean, we got compromised politicians. Mitch McConnell seems to be on that list now. Joe Biden, Nancy uh-huh. Pelosi. They're not going to do anything, and they're not going to do anything at all to upset China because China owns them. So I say boycott now, and so does my family and friends. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It is both sides. I, I hope I didn't come off as, as saying just the Democrats, and I should have brought Mitch McConnell up, and I apologize for that because I do try to be fair. Um, but I do think it's on both sides of the aisle. I think both sides and look at, look what they're doing with our, with our athletes. Look at the NBA, uh, LeBron James, so beholden and defending the Chinese for whatever reason. And so, you know, being vocal about any discussion about the, the Chinese, um, it's, it's, it's so blatant. It's disgusting. Kind of, I don't know. I think it is. So you're, you say boycott and then the athletes are just going to have to, sorry. And. That's too bad. And, and I, you know, I hate to say it is what it is, Mary. And, and I'm sorry to say it. You know, there will always be another one uh, they can train for. And I'm sorry that sometimes you have to put America first because we're in trouble right now and we need to make a stand. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Gary. You, that's a great way to put it. We're in trouble and we need to make a stand. Thank you so much. And ha- enjoy your weekend, Gary. Um, I, we do know someone whose son uh, is trying for the summer Olympics um, sailing. And he's, I mean, he's put, his father sold his share in a business to, you know, to pay for his son's training and everything because they really think he has a shot to make the team. And I know that's their choice, but I guess it would have been better if we had made this decision previously instead of waiting till now to make this decision, right? I think that would have been better. But, and I'm sorry that the athletes have to pay the price and their families and, and so many people involved with it, but there's no casualties. I'd rather have the Chinese also pay and not just the athletes. And if we let the athletes go, the Chinese don't pay and they actually gain from it. Let's head to uh, Ocala, Flora, also on WSKY. Shepard, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi. Hi, good morning. Uh, I'm going to go the opposite direction. Let the athletes compete. It's not going to do a darn bit of good to boycott the Olympics. Yes, it's a symbolic gesture, but it's a symbolic gesture only. I can honestly tell you as an auto mechanic, I'm a retired auto mechanic. I still do my own work uh, on my own cars. Try buying an auto part not made in China, even for American-made cars. Mm -hmm. Even if you go to the dealer, you try to buy – I remember uh, buying some body panels for a – I'm not going to name the car – for a representative American car built in the United States. Well, no, it was more assembled in the United States from Chinese body panels. Okay, I can honestly tell you uh, recently I bought a coffee maker. It made in China. The only way to buy an American-made one that's comparable would would be to spend $100. This one was $20. Maybe I could have afforded it. Most people can't. We have to start by bringing our factories back to the United States, and I am all for world trade. But you cannot have one country flood our country, yay the world, with its products, and they don't allow anyone else's products into their country. It has to be fair. I believe in world trade wholeheartedly, but again, it must be fair. I agree. And that's what Trump was trying to do, Shepard. I appreciate it. You're right. It has to be fair. And President Trump was trying to make the deals with China, the trade with China, be fair. He was trying to do that. 
And Joe Biden undid all that. If, if we allow our athletes to go, millions of American dollars are going to flow into China and they benefit. And that's not fair, though, right? If we're talking about fairness, that's really not fair. So th- it's a very, very sticky situation. And it's a tough one to work out. So I'm Mary Walter. Thank you for joining me on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Have a great day. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.